0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comics Fondle Podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm drinking a Crystal Pepsi, and my blog is <laughs> ComicsFondle.com.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Vernon. I'm the proprietor of the Wilmette, Illinois Comic Shop Comics Gallery, and I'm drinking an, a Revolution Oktoberfest German-style lager.
0: Yeah, he meant to do that. I happened to cross a Crystal Pepsi and just couldn't pass it up, so here we here we are. This is <laughs> these are the choices we make, um, and I, I'll
1: understand if you drop dead halfway through this. Yeah, podcast.
0: there you go. But it won't be because of bad comics. But we'll get to that in a second. So first up, we're going to talk about you're going to talk about since I have not read any of it. Um, what are you going to talk about, Vern?
1: Well, you know the of Mar- the Marvel's latest reboot. It was it was kind of funny because Marvel is. I don't know. They're, they're at the end of their rope right now. And Mr. Axel Alonso, who I guess is the main kahuna over Marvelous, keeps doubling down on mistakes. You know, that, that's the, that's the thing about it. It's like, Oh, this didn't work. Let's try it twice as hard to do it next month or whatever. So they've got their uh, quote unquote reboot slash relaunch and, uh, It's called Legacy based on, you know, the springboard of that uh, really wonderful one-shot that came out uh, a month ago or so, that six-buck comic. I don't know. It's it's okay stuff, you know. But, uh, you know, they they started rebooting their titles again. And uh, I guess in a a fit of peak or whatever it is, they decided, oh, we're going to do lenticular covers, you know, and and make dealers, uh, retailers jump through the hoops. Uh, increasing their orders just to get them, and then they didn't get any response, and then they lowered that, lowered the thresholds, and then they had to do it a second time. And finally, it got to the point where I was ordering so few Marvels anyway. I'm like, yeah, I can get these lenticulars. I'm going to do shit to to, to get them. So that's kind of how I worked it out. But with a reboot or a reset, again we have all the same creators that are just playing musical chairs and sometimes not even that you still have the same writers on the books that were before and uh i wouldn't say it's been a disaster but it's been a very underwhelming uh response from uh readers and the biggest reader the biggest problem is is not necessarily the stories themselves i find that they're perfectly adequate comic books it's just the lenticular covers all suck they <laughs> don't work you have to like bend them just to get a portion of it to see, but there's no way that you could see the whole cover at one time. It's, they're just very poorly made lenticulars, probably made from uh Marvel's overseas chain to benches country that they're getting their uh, inventive uh, covers from. I'm not quite sure, but I'd say about 90% of them are pretty crappy. So, and then you add that to the fact that they go back to all the lettering or excuse me, the legacy numbering. Okay. So, Iron Man's got like 685 and Spider-Man's on 700 and something like that. So it's drastically confusing to customers. They don't really understand it and you know and I'm like boy you you couldn't you couldn't have asked for a worse advertising. I mean if 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 an outside agency had recommended them to do this they'd have been fired when they start seeing the results. Now they'll get a little bit of a sales bump because we had the order to the shit, you know? So you're going to see in the October numbers a bit of a bump and Marvel's going to say, hurrah, we've got success. We're back on the right track. But you know what? It's going to go right back down again, right, as soon as this first month is over with and the retailers who have utterly failed in trying to make Marvel Comics sellable again. Uh, let's just say it's going to be a rough first quarter. I think uh, there's a couple of retailers I was online with and uh, we're all looking to see what happens next year. Marvel's got to get their shit together. And uh, the reboot is just, it's, you know, like DC did it right, I guess you'd say, even though the product wasn't perfect, but the reboot reset was. Here it's just kind of more lazy ass bullshit. Here, here's some lenticular covers. We've got to renumber the motherfuckers. And we're going to start, make sure all the stories start at the beginning, whatever it is, you know. And I was like, well, you know, there's a couple of them. I like the Spider-Man one. That was fine. You, did you know that Peter Parker was a millionaire inventor like Tony Stark now? No. Well, apparently he lost all his money. But uh, the issue itself was pretty good, the the post-crash and how he has to cope. And uh, by the end of the issue, he gets a piece of butt from, uh, what's her name, uh, Bobby Morse. So that that was kind of cool. You know, who's it? Uh, Clint's ex-wife. and. It was fun. Let's put it that way. Dan Slott was inspired for some particular reason. Oh, it's
0: still Dan Slott. Wow, he
1: is. What is it, like ten fucking years. This He's guy's like been the on the-
0: Dan Jergens of Spider-Man at this point.
1: You know, <clears throat> you're absolutely right. They, I think Dan Juergens on Superman and Dan Slott on Spider-Man should have like this uh, pissing contest and see who can write more issues of uh, their favorite character that they've been kind of living on Social Security measures for the last. Well, while. we
0: know Dan Slott could write more internet. Messages, but um, bump that's for uh, like um, you know, I don't know. Well, we, we 50% like 50% of the listeners, but yeah,
1: yeah, that's, that's exactly. I mean, and, and they're they're kind of like vanilla. I mean, it's really sad when like an indie writer comes to Marvel and they do work, and it's probably the most money they've ever been paid for this shit, and it's just, ugh. I did mean, you, you just, know, you read Victor Gishler's yep, story. I was just Species. gonna say,
0: did you just segue into poor Gishler?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, he's good. but he l- just... Let's
0: just do a preview. Let's just do this do a now. Do on that. All right. Day. So Spirits of Vengeance, Blade, Hellstorm, Sa- Sa- San- Satana, Santana. Santana, and Ghost Rider. Johnny Blaze again. I thought he was yep. dead. Anyway. Yep. It's a team-up book. Victor Gishler, who um, wrote some great stuff. Uh, Sally of the Wasteland is great. That's a great oh, comic. A lot, um, of his com- a lot of his comics. Um, really strong stuff. We followed his indie career. Vern caught him on some horror books, and we, we championed him when we could.
1: What was that, um, Tales of the Forge? Was that the one? The one oh, shot,
0: yeah, or the two shot. Yeah, that one. Or it was It might have been three, but yeah, that was... Some property that clearly didn't get turned into a movie or TV show and they were just right. exercising it. But you know, the script's just bland ass Marvel um horror heroes. And then the art's just this sweet, genial fucking the worst horror comic art you've ever seen. Because what you want from this is is you want a dirty seventies um magazine you want you want something looks scary you want yeah i mean this is the kind of thing that quite frankly brewbreaker and phillips should be doing
1: yes yes and 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 it was uh it was kind of a disaster you're like looking at it it's kind of like bland vanilla horror comics like you could feed this to a kid and they'd say this isn't scary man
0: right i mean it wasn't scary at all that was the thing is it's not scary at all they don't try to be scary it's just no no and, and and it's like
1: it's like the the difference. Like a lot of my customers were um, looking at the books and looking at the lenticular covers of all that stuff, and they were amazed. Like we've had this argument before about like why Marvel's entire line is three ninety nine, and why aren't the minor books two ninety nine? Because you know they're just not that good, and you can find like a a, a whole world's worth of difference between say. Something, uh, the Avengers, or the Spider Man, or the Thor, or the Iron Book. We've got professionals on a book that are really cranking out, and might necessarily be might might be worth three ninety nine if you want to read them. If you're into that stuff, but then you got books like Tales of uh, or, you know, Spirits of Vengeance. Or even the Luke Cage. Oh my god. The Luke Cage looks like it was drawn by uh Stevie Wonder on a tablet with a pencil eraser. Uh, it's just god fucking awful. And I said, This is not even a book that's two ninety nine visually, it's ugly, you know? And so, hey, Marvel, you failed. Try again. That's all I got to say. Uh, uh what what do we got now? There's another argument we gotta get out of the way. It's pitch about pitch comics.
0: Comics. yeah.
1: Go ahead, and, go ahead and lead into that one. Well, for
0: we've been talking about this a while. Uh, we first started noticing it halfway through the rise of New Image, was that you'd have a really good first issue, and then all of a, of a new indie title. The Pitch. The Pitch. And then the second issue, you know, the art wouldn't be as good. The writing wouldn't be as tight. You know, on a bigger scale, you see it with uh, – the guys who do story arcs and the first story arcs really good and then it goes kind of crappy like letter 44 uh well it hits sell
1: i was able to get through letter 44 but it's not museum material let's right. put that
0: way. but yeah so they start having problems and then it's just like is it all downhill from here and these are i mean you want these books to be successful because if they have any life it's going to be in trade but at the same, you also want you know the creators to be reliable creators, and all it shows is they're not reliable. And even some books with editors are having this problem. Like the Skybound yeah. books, I feel like have a little bit more editorial, and we're starting to see problems with them. Right, like, like they've got the first thing.
1: It's like they do good, but then when it comes time to follow through, it's kind of like oh, by the time was it we had a couple of series that you and I were somewhat interested in, from the beginning, Sacred Creatures and Retcon, both published by Image. And on the case of Sacred Creatures, you've got Pablo Ramiandi and... um,
0: Klaus Janssen.
1: Klaus Janssen. I mean, these guys are pros for, what, 20, 30 years. And they did this absolutely great pitch comic. And then by the time you're on issue three and four, it's getting really weak, and they're kind of missing the focus, you know? And you're like, well, Jesus, this thing ain't half as good as it started out. And then you and I liked an interesting little book called Retcon. I mean, the first issue, adequate, interesting. Yep. And then thing kind of fell apart by the second issue with a total lack of structural plot in the
0: thing, you know? it's Yeah, and you're just like... So we're kind of concerned about that. Yeah, and there's going to be some other books later on that actually have bumps after the first issue, which is another yeah. problem, right? Like, you dropped it after the... Unsuccessful first issue, and you should have stuck with it, which
1: it's important to to start strong, but it's also important to keep the momentum on a quality basis to keep your readers going right you know? and these books fell off the map, and I get mad because you know I recommended them to customers after the first issue, even put a little staff pick sign on there, you yeah, know? and you know, like I went around and took them staff pick signs off, you know because they were like, yeah. I, 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 I. Well, we'll see what happens with this. But the pitch comics continue to be a problem, and it's just related to the overall editorial uh, guidance that they give people, you know. So uh, they got to watch that because the, th- those are the kind of things that get people pissed off when they're reading comics. Like if you're mm-hmm. getting people into them – like I work very hard to get people in this day and age who are kind of disappointed in Marvel and DC, you know, more so Marvel. And I'm like, hey, try this, try this, you know, this is in your alley, you know, and then they'll start it, and then it'll just suck holy head by the time you get to issue five and six, and you'll end up looking like a schmuck, you know. I've had a lot of Marvel customers that were so disappointed that they're not like even reading Marvels anymore, and it's very sad, you know. But uh, we got, at least over the, an improvement over the last podcast, Andrew and I have a substantial amount of comics that we could read and enjoy, we were both very happy this month that we had a podcast that was filled with books that we enjoyed. Yes,
0: and our podcast is actually on time, I think. I think the six-week thing actually just worked. Let's check before we get started.
1: I think so. We're pretty close
0: anyway, you know. Because I went back to make sure we hadn't talked about Spy Seal yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I looked over the last list, and I think we we duplicate. We we might have an extra issue, but still, good stuff, though. So let's see here. Uh, We're both fans of uh, Cy Spurrier. He's a – is he British? I think he is. I assume so.
0: Of course. Of course he is. But Um, he's kind of an
1: indie guy who does some good stuff, and he's been doing this kind of – he's been doing some – he's always done interesting stuff. And we're very pleased with his work, and he's got a couple of books uh, that are out right now. One finished Godshaper.
0: Yeah, so – Okay, so everybody, Vernon is now, like, throwing my list all out of whack, but whatever. Oh, yeah. I no, you're fine. Go for it. I just, I just wanted to tattle. No, nah, no, nah,
1: because it was finishing.
0: That's why. Okay, so what God I mean? Shaper God. was one of these books where it had a good pitch comic. Well, no, it didn't. It didn't have a good pitch comic. It didn't have a good pitch. It had nice art. It had, like, a good hook, and you liked the protagonist. And then it had, then it got good on two, like real good. And it was yep. pretty good on three. And then it all f- fell apart. And six. Did, by
1: the... Well, it kind of saved it, but he, he kind of lost focus about what he was trying to accomplish. Uh, yeah. you know, and it went big ending, you know. And, you know, I'll never, I'll, I, I will still read something like uh, uh, God Shaper over any mainstream book, just because it's more ambitious. But. You know, you got to focus a little bit. You know, you yeah. can't let the book roll off the rails before the ending. You got six issues. It's got to be tight construction. It's got to be done, you know? Yeah, it's and like. It's
0: so- the pitch needs to be your first series, not the first issue of your first series. Yes. It like, should all be
1: like. It should all be done. That first arc should be done. And, and it should be. There like, you go.
0: Yes, it should be edited. It should be, you know have somebody read it right like at least because i think some of it is, is that i mean these guys get busy you know cy spurrier's doing two books at least we don't know if he's doing any mainstream stuff like
1: we don't know are, if he's he, watching forces agenda janitor we don't know
0: yeah so and but these guys get busy and so we saw that with um charles soleil with letter 44 yeah charles
1: soleil yeah marvel corrupts so many talents it's pretty sad and you're just That's like not I, the case well, that's not the case with Spurrier because he's always been kind of an indie guy. He's dabbled on the mainstreams, but he's mostly done indie work.
0: I'm just and saying got, he could be busy anyway. So yeah, Godshaper, eh? It's it's certainly not exciting. Kind of, no, no, I think
1: nope.
0: I think I'd recommend it over Six Gun Gorilla though, just because. Would you really? <sighs> oh man, it I don't know. Good. I like I like how I like how gay Godshaper gets. Like it, It's just, it's just, it gets really like uncomfortably gay at some point. You're just like, sure, all right, let's let's go for it, you know.
1: Couple, uh, yeah, straight guys, right?
0: Yeah, right. But but nothing
1: graphic or nothing
0: graphic, no. But it's like sweet and stuff. So like, I mean, that's cute. That's interesting. It's interesting that Spurrier took his protagonist, his male protagonist, and turned him into a cute character. Which, right. Yeah, so made it accessible. But I mean, uh, of course, if you're going to recommend Spurrier, you're going to recommend the Spire because yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Spurrier's
1: good. It may not be his best work, but it's it's readable. It's really good. Yeah. But uh, what was it? He's doing kind of a at first the, the first issue of Angelic. An angelic. From,
0: Here you know, we
1: go. Yeah, yeah. That has like a Walt Disney esque ecological tone with a couple of races that are surviving. Uh, one of them is. Kind of more basic set of monkeys, and then the more evolved. No, they're not basic. They're flying the monkeys, I think
0: they're flying monkeys.
1: Well, you know, but but they have like a lot of superstitions. Right. And basic. Okay, so
0: yeah, um, they're they're fundamentalists, like religious flying monkeys who are very patriarchal. And the lead character is this teenage girl monkey, and she just wants to explore. The priest wants to marry her, so he's going to cut off her wings. So, like Spurrier's make not, her a breeder. yeah, make her a breeder. Like Spurrier's not being discreet with this because you don't have to be because hey, they're monkeys, right? Like <laughs> you know. But it's a big, uh, the second issue. Okay, so the first issue, I mean, the art's cute, but we've gotten into this anthropomorphized um, animal genre. Starting yeah. a little bit with we 3 a long time ago, and it was very hard to read this and not go, oh, look, the monkeys have been we 3, you know, like.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, well, you know, um, I thought that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. And I mean, so the, for me, the first issue was competent, um, adequately executed. I'm sure that they really hope to sell it to not Disney, but somebody and I was, you know, going to keep reading it because of Spurrier, but I was not excited going into two. Well, did you read the second issue yet? I did. I was waiting for you to talk about the first issue.
1: Ah, that yeah, the first issue is good setup anyway. You okay. know, and I like the cartoonist. Is it, uh, is Wingard it Gary Wingard or something? Yeah, Jasper Wingard.
0: Casper Wingard. You know, he's pretty
1: good. By the second issue, he's got things under control. Yeah. He does more daring things with the art. The dimension of the characters is is pretty fully realized, and it keeps its momentum. Okay, I mean, it It uses a lot of um, uh, stereotypical tropes about the quest and all that kind of stuff. It reads like a Disney movie that's maybe PG-13 or something right. like that.
0: So, yeah, but the second issue, man, I, I'm fully on board now.
1: Yes, exactly. He he strengthens the cause when yeah. he focuses in the two protagonists that are on this quest together yeah. from the different races, and they're trying to solve solve the question of, whether or not they can cooperate and find a way to live together as well as save their environment to continue on. Now, while some might say, hey, again, here's that word Disney esque again, but it's got some edge to it, and it's actually not a bad book. I think though that the cuteness of it betrays its more serious connotations. Let's put it that way. That 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 it, it, except for the death scenes or whatever it is, you know. But yeah, I'm on board, and I'm definitely going to finish this one. No way around that. So, Cy, you're still one of our favorites, and you're hanging in there anyway. So that's good. Good, good.
0: All right. So I guess we're doing more favorites at the start this time because we're going to talk about Black Hammer, which is wrapping up its second arc and uh, bringing in Darkseid. So, like –
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) bringing in Darkseid. Right, right. Jeff Lemire and uh, Dean Holmstrom with some uh, fill-ins by David Rubin. Uh, c- accomplishes quite a bit. I mean, Jeff Lemire's kind of a writer that strip-mines old uh, uh, superhero golden age tropes and cities and stuff, and uh, he's done a great job with Black Hammer. Uh, the final issue, quote-unquote, is 13, where they leave you with a terrific uh, cliffhanger, and we actually, like, see... Uh, somewhat of the protagonist at the end of it anyway. Yeah. It's kind of funny, Black Hammer's in there, but he, he, he's, it's always in a posthumous manner. because yeah. Black is essentially dead right from the start, and we start talking about his life and how things happened afterwards. Lemire's kind of like that. He does, like, these different layers, and he throws them at you, you know? Yeah. He's not a real intricate plotter. These are pretty simple comic books, and they're about moments. And uh, he did really good with uh, Black Hammer 13. I guess Dean Holmstrom, Needed a bit of a break. I, okay. I'm not sure if he has some difficulties or whatever. But they're doing this miniseries, Sherlock Frankenstein, which the first issue debuted uh, last week. What? Sherlock Frankenstein came out last week. It wasn't you, on the list. Sorry about that. I thought. We had me, it were you ever going to uh, tell I, me? I had it on the list when you saw when you saw Sherlock Frankenstein. Right? I
0: thought you read the the the. Reader, we got, and I just hadn't got. Okay, fine. Anyway, so Vernon's going to talk about Sherlock Frankenstein without spoiling anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um Anyway, in the meantime, we've got a four issue miniseries, Sherlock Frankenstein. Same uh group of characters, same world. It's a nice villain. David Rubin does some great art, and it continues the story of yeah, what was his what was his daughter's name? Uh, the Black Hammer's daughter, Lucy. Um, Lucy. Lucy uh, continues onward from her plot where she finds her father's like fortress of solitude and starts asking questions. And she decides that to find out about her father, perhaps she should consult his biggest enemies. And so Sherlock Frankenstein was his toughest enemy. So she's on a hunt for him to see if she can get answers about what happened to her father. And that's it. And it does great. Uh, David Rubin does some wonderful art. Um, The series doesn't really miss a beat at all. And uh, it just kind of flows right in there, you know what I mean? Because if you're a Black Hammer fan, which you should be if you read superhero comics, uh, they do a great job. So don't miss Sherlock Frankenstein because it's the continuation of Black Hammer. Whether it's got a different title or not, it's the same freaking story, basically. Good stuff, though. Good stuff.
0: Okay, so speaking of... um, I don't even know what we'd say about how Kill the Minotaur's (laughs) turning out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, Kettner's the saving grace.
0: Well, yeah, Kettner's, I mean, it, the book has gotten to be just about seeing Lucas Kettner develop as an artist. Yeah. I mean, the script is frustrating.
1: <laughs> yeah, it goes back and forth, and, and it's very, like you say, frustrating about how the characters stuff. But it has, like, a nice mythological tone about the Minotaur. Yeah. What, what is yeah, I
0: don't know, but, but that's
1: not what it's about.
0: No, though. it's not. It's yeah. about Katner. Like,
1: yeah, he, he he's carrying the book, and it's a great it's a great monster story set kind of in a semi uh, semi mythological tone. Right. But it's really- you
0: know what is it a knight's tale but in Greece? So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And and the origin of the Minotaur is certainly different, you know, than what mm-hmm. you'd expect. Um, I, you know, like it, it obviously is a story that has a beginning and an end. And Kentner's like willfulness to illustrate each scene with this great dramatic uh, in-your-face action scenes it really helps save. Yeah, it, and it make makes
0: them. it makes it such a weird read because it's like the narrative beat that he does with his panels, just the composition of them, and that's when you that's how in five when they give him that terrible. Um, sequence to do with the nine panels a page. Yeah, like you can tell that was in the script because his art style is to just be. It, it just is so. It's the comic splash page. Every you'll be reading, um, kill the Minotaur, and you'll turn from a facing page to the opposite page, and there'll be this amazing panel that hooks you and you know raises the intensity but it's not, a, it's not a splash page. It's just the, it's just a panel. I mean, Kettner's, yeah. Kettner's good. He's, he, yeah.
1: he's a talent that his, I don't know if he would fit in at Marvel or DC, but he certainly can do horror. He can do science fiction. And uh, we love the work he did on Witch Doctor. And uh, I think Kill the Minotaur has one more issue to go, yeah. I think. So, you know, so far so good. Like it's one of those books that, has just enough writing to keep it going. But the art, it's all about Kettner carrying through it and the believability and the... uh, He uh, makes you think all this stuff is real and it's pretty creepy and shitty and nasty. Um, Good stuff.
0: No, I I think that Kettner would actually make a really interesting artist for a Swamp Thing book.
1: Oh, easily. He could do horror.
0: Yeah, like bringing back that level... It's a one thing. Okay, so speaking of horror, speaking of, um, well, no.
1: More subtle horror.
0: More subtle horror. We can't really say that the script's just keeping this going. Okay, so you've read Damned 5, right? I did, yes. What? Did. That is the... I wanted to cry. That's the best they've ever done on this book. It
1: really is. Five hits a masterpiece. Four is really good, but five... It,
0: it just builds, and it, and it, yes. So da- the backstory on Damned is... What, 2007, 2009? Yes, somewhere Uh, there. Oni?
1: Eh, probably, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oni, Oni Press.
0: Books does the damned. It's Brian Hurt, who'd just been coming off Hard Time, and Cullen Bond, who was just getting into comics. I think he was a friend of Bendis's or some shit. We didn't know what to expect. It's Gangsters and Demons, which, you know, doesn't seem like it should fit. All Noir. All Noir. First issue is awesome. I think the second issue is awesome. Yep. Third issue not Good. awesome. No. Yeah. It's it it falls apart. Yeah. And I read it again when the sequel came out, and the first arc still does fall apart. Except yeah. they have these great characters, this wonderful um pert style is just amazing the demons like a lot of good characterizations from bun just never the right narrative so him hitting it this time
1: yeah oh. yeah yeah I, what was the what was the book that uh him and her did for like the SEP? oh yeah th- i
0: forgot to say that uh sixth gun right sixth Gun. and i'm reading this and that was got very good at times too but i never yeah. finished it so when i finished this i'm like oh i just got to go read all the sixth gun what the hell am i doing <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, because, you know what, like, um, Cullen Bunn, despite his work at Marvel, he's really a, a horror, noir, creepy writer, and he's good at it. And what's nice is he's very textural, and he delivers, like, these really sympathetic characters and protagonists, oh, and You really you really feel for them. It's devastating,
0: you know? and then it's, oh, Five is so good, oh.
1: 5 is about as close to a perfect comic book as you can get it really is from the beginning to the end and you don't you know and that that's another thing the, the masterful writers and artists but primarily writers know how to do a book you don't have to it, it's nice to read the first four issues of the damn but you don't really have to you can just kind of pick it up on 5 And just read about, like, the characters and what's adding up and what their motives are and the things they're after. And it's really a complex read. But it looks simple and it reads like a a basic, straightforward comic book. It's not too complicated. It just goes from point A to point B and and all the characters. And, you know, you really like the protagonist even though he's really a son of a bitch at (laughs) times, you know? Yeah. And The Damned is a good read. I I wanted to see more people read The Damned because uh, this latest one, Five, uh, is just – it's sublime. If you're going to call a comic sublime, that's about as close to sublime as you can get. All right. And let's see. Next, we got a quickie here because I know you don't read Howard Chaykin.
0: I, I but, did. We're going to talk about Rough and Ready after this because we didn't have it on the list. So, Oh, wonderful, wonderful. There we go. Um, Divided
1: States is Howard Chaikin's latest diatribe against humanity and society with this group of uh, covert uh, agents put together by a CIA, gay, CIA guy who absolutely failed at preventing a horrible tragedy uh, in New York City like the dropping of a dirty bomb, as it were. And so – as a disgraced agent, he puts together this team of absolute bongos, serial killers, misanthropes. There's four of them, and he's he's been given carte blanche to do what he needs to do in this time. And you know what? This might be Howard Chaikin's most successful outing. He puts people off with these in-your-face social commentary and the sexual innuendo and, and his kind of like real hard, edgy, Nasty look at things, but you know what he's very true to his own vision in divided states of america, and this this group of these guys trying to fail another terrorist plot in America is filled with all of the controversial political social items that are kind of floating around today. He's very topical and he's very current, and the characters, despite how loathsome they are as serial killers and nasty people are. Totally interesting, fascinating, and this guy has to make a crack team out of them to accomplish these goals while fighting every inch of the way with them because they refuse to like work as a team and don't like each other for many reasons, sexual and ethnic and all that other kind of stuff. And you know what? It's really controversial. Image pulled one of his covers. They were really working very hard, and they said, listen, you know, we can't do this cover. It's just too much in your face. You know, it, it showed a very – um." Shall we say unsympathetic look at homosexuality, the victim of of, of a, um, I guess you call it a gang killing or something like that, you know, and and it was the cover, and I'm like, man, this is really in your face, And image pulled it, but it went around the internet, so you can find it if you want. But I would have to say uh, the last two issues of Divided States. I think there's one more to go for this arc. Very successful, Howie Jenkins. I mean, he's getting older. You know, sometimes his uh, fingers aren't right or whatever. You know, comes a drawing, but Howie Jenkins' getting...
0: fingers haven't been right the entire time we've known each other. We've well, each other know,
1: for. What is Howie in his late sixties by now? I mean, uh, you know. and
0: we yeah. So I mean, and we got used to that style, right? And, like we buried old Howie. Right, right.
1: sometimes you can't tell one guy from another, you know.
0: Long live the Howie, you know. Long live
1: the Howie. Howie is finally, you know, it's really nice though, at at this age in his career, he's able to find a successful book. Now, it's very in-your-face, it's very R-rated. If you don't like male-on-male sex, you might, you know, you might look away. But, you know, I don't have problems with that kind of stuff. (laughs) I'm not involved in it, but I don't have problems reading about it. Um but Divided States is probably one – so far is one of Howard Chakin's most successful works. I, I wouldn't put up there with American Flag because American Flag is more accessible mm. and not in your face. But Divided States is just really good stuff and it's nice to see someone at the nader of their career creating something that I really enjoy this much.
0: Okay. Anyway, So next. Rough and Ready. We're going to talk rough about and Rough ready. and Ready. Yeah. Um, so Rough and Ready is a Hanna-Barbera book. Howie and writes it, and who's doing the Is art. Is it Mac Ray? Mac Ray. I think that's the guy's name. It's got a very animated style because it's set in a Roger Rabbit world, basically. Yes.
1: Mac Ray sells it on that.
0: He does. Um, first issue's all s- not exactly set up. It's sort of backstory to get you acclimated to this uh, new... Uh, Roger Rabbit world. Oh. <laughs> yeah,
1: because yeah, cause humans and cartoon animals coexisted. Yeah,
0: and it's gotten to the point, though, where cartoon animals do have regular day jobs. So, you know, it, it it's very weird because it starts in the 50s, so they must have, yeah. There are a lot of questions that I don't know if he's going to get around to, like about mortality, because they don't seem to age. So anyway, it's about the cat and dog, rough and ready. And how they're really um, not family-friendly. Um, well, their whole
1: career of TV shows that are family-friendly. Right.
0: So they start out, it's about their uh, family-friendly TV show. But in reality, they're drunken um, bastards but, who hate each well, other. Or well, they're, they're
1: kind of like that Hollywood team that doesn't last forever. Like, uh, what is it, Jerry Lewis and right. Dean Martin? But so, yeah, art, and then know, it, stuff like that where they have a career, but when it comes time to be more relevant and and age well, they are past the the point where America's changed and we don't want like cute dog and cat like right uh, parodies of other things. And it's a bizarre little title, you know, and and, and again, it reflects Howard Jenkins views on society to a large extent. I think Mac Ray sells it good with the art, too. Yeah, it's good. I never heard of this guy. I, I I'm gonna have to look him up no, because I, I never either. this not I didn't look
0: him, I'm afraid I didn't look him up.
1: No, he he, he does computer based art, and luckily they get Ken Brusenek on letters again, and the book is intriguing. You know, yeah. when, when you when, when when you say a book is intriguing, and you're like it's published by DC as part of their Hanna Barbera tie in line, but yet it's about adult well, think, cartoon animals.
0: I think the hook is. For making it so intriguing and, you know, wanting the next one is that so you have all that interesting backstory for them. And then there's this really quick thing in set in the modern day where some intrepid young studio assistant discovers them at their movies and then goes to bring them back together. And then it just stops, and it's like, what's going to happen when they come back together in the modern day? Like, that's what this book's going to be about. That sounds awesome. Like,
1: right, right. Their new producer is so young; she's never seen any rough and ready cartoons from the fifties. She has no idea about what they were, right. but she knows how to sell them today. And uh, we'll, we'll I'm
0: really, see. We'll yeah. see. We don't know that yet. Yeah, it makes you want to read it could that be second retro. issue. Yeah, you got to read that second issue.
1: Yeah, so skip Superman and read rough and ready man. Let's get stuff.
0: Speaking man. of other things that I might say to Skip. Alright.
1: Go ahead. Kaiju
0: Go Max season three, three and four. I think we talked about three last time, but let's let's recap real quick. It yeah. was a nice course adjustment. It was nice not to feel like sad after reading Kaiju Max.
1: Yeah, Kaiju Max was a horribly depressing book. The first two seasons were pretty no, rough. No, no,
0: but I mean, like, the first two issues of this season were pretty rough.
1: Oh, they were really rough. Yeah, yeah. Lack of focus, particularly. Yeah.
0: So, with the third issue, it seemed like we were getting on some kind of a track. Yeah. With the fourth issue... Half yeah. the comic is, um... A, a musical at the Kaiju Max that the prisoners are putting on for the other prisoners, and, and these are got,
1: Japanese movie monsters that are uh, yeah. incarcerated on a island in the middle of the Pacific, of course.
0: Which raises a bunch of questions that I don't want to think about. <laughs> um, with the musical and how that would work, and how many, like how big is the island? Is what Australia at this point? It's got to be so big. For big. Yeah,
1: yeah. These aren't standard sized prisoners,
0: so. Um, Cannon writes a song that he juxtaposes against the rest of the comic, which has his other characters, his the regular characters of season three, slowly developing their subplots. Um, to the point that Electro Gore, the lead of the first two seasons, at this point seems like I actually think nothing's going to happen next issue. I think it might happen as like a secondary cliffhanger, but that's what season four is going to be about. Because he's only, yeah, I think so.
1: Because in his letters column, he says as much.
0: Okay, because I mean, like that's the thing about Kaiju Max. If you've watched The Wire, or like, and know how they structured their seasons, he very clearly is doing an HBO cartoon right now.
1: Right. It seems like he's doing a lot of uh, intermediate setup for the big bang. Yeah. Is, yeah which but, is kind of tough in the meantime because it, it doesn't lead to a really damn cool comic like no, the first two no.
0: i mean i liked i liked the subplots this issue I thought they were pretty good um they don't we, have the power of no, uh, but compared to compared to the musical thing you know that
1: that I hate to say it. he loves um uh, not Hamilton. Hate to say it. yeah yeah, he loves uh, he loves rap music too. Obviously, Xander Canyon's really a fan of rap music, and uh, I'm not quite sure. It, it took a bit of patience for me to get through the opening scene where all the prisoners are putting on the big musical. Hey, yeah. let's put on a show, and it's about three or four pages of watching a dinosaur kind of guy rap
0: about yeah. society
1: and the and the kaiju max and the the big guys. Situ- and I'm like, you're not getting me here, buddy. I mean, well, you know, it's
0: it's. I don't think anybody would think a stage musical, no matter how good it is, that taking a picture of it and slapping the printed out lyrics on the picture are the same as, you know, seeing the stage musical. It doesn't have dance. It doesn't nope. have... Um, no movement, no. there's no. There can't be movement. Dance, you know, what Dave Gibbons said that... Um, comic reading a comic is seeing the movement in between panels, not drawing yeah. that movement, but seeing the movement in between panels. Right. Yeah. Dance is seeing the movement in between panels. That's what it's about. Right. When they're, when they're standing still, nobody fucking cares. You know, dance. Right. It, it
1: just <laughs> looks like people reciting poetry. Right.
0: Yeah. And yeah. this is not, you know, okay. A lot of comic book guys have tried other mediums. Garth Ennis made a short movie. It's not good um yep. alan moore made a bunch of short movies they're not good they're not okay? good either. they're not good that that wasn't adaptations that wasn't anybody screwing them up that was their project and they they just don't translate well ed brew baker
1: he did wrote, a musical
0: no he wrote a web series and it was terrible oh. so um yeah the, it just doesn't work and it it's half the comic in a way yeah the beginning and the end yeah, and you don't have half a comic to give away. Even you if really Kaiju don't. Max Season 3 was great, you still don't have this half... Like, it would have to be the best fucking thing in the world. Like... Yeah, yeah. Because we only get so much Kaiju Max. There's like, only
1: 20 pages.
0: Right. No, I think it's longer than that, isn't it? Eh, it's about
1: the average length of a comic, okay. 20 pages. But I mean, we
0: only get six issues. So it's like, that's kind of the thing yeah. when we've got these seasons of comics, so to speak... You know, don't – make sure it's not a waste of our time.
1: Yeah, transitional issues are very difficult when you only have six. You know, and and they're usually best done in little blocks as opposed to an entire twenty pages of continuing subplots, right? You know, and uh, everybody's everybody's plot continues on except for Port Electrogore who's obviously our main character. So he is missed horribly. You know what I mean? That's that's probably the big thing. That's the biggest thing is we never see Electrogore and he's the big dude who is the protagonist in most of the scenes in the first two series. And you're right; it's like a Wire thing. Like yeah. what was that? There was like a season three or four of The Wire where you had this a very similar thing where you're totally involved invested in the characters the situation the plot but it just unfolds in little pieces right. to get to go somewhere else and I get it and I hope Xander Canyon uh, is successful at it because I really like Hygie Max and I want it to work badly you know and yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I think this is probably my unabashed fanboy here but I really want to see this succeed because I like characters but i need xander to maybe bring a little bit more to the plate but you know what if he finishes season three fine i'm gone but you know like in the thing he said that in the letters column he's talking about he's got kaiju max thinking it's gonna go six seasons okay which seems all right there's enough ideas yeah and i hope he's successful although this season three is a it's more for the fans than it is the newbies. The newbies would be bored to death. Oh, God. Know?
0: I can't even imagine. Yeah, this is – yeah, it's incredibly inaccessible.
1: Exactly, exactly. But anyway, read Kaiju Max anyway. Just go get the first four trades – first two trades. First you two know? trades, yeah. Yeah, All
0: yeah. right, so now you got to talk about this one because I still haven't started reading
1: now, it. No, it's – you know I, I, you what? Know, I, I, I'm convinced that I'm the only motherfucker that wants to read this thing because I like it. But maybe it's just me. Uh, slam, the next jam, the sequel to Slam – the mini series about women's roller derby and all the stuff and i'm still kind of on board it still has just enough to keep me going however they they took veronica fish off and they may illustrated by marina julia who just doesn't have enough going on in her artwork to succeed where Veronica Fish really got you in on the visuals. Now, there's this is Boom, okay? Boom doesn't pay much. They don't draw backgrounds on any of their books. I get it. These are independent artists, and, you know, they're probably paid 6 bucks a page. And the colorist does all the weightlifting for the backgrounds. It's kind of tough, because what are they paying, $20 a page? I don't know. But luckily, um, Miss Julia is good with faces and, and carrying the characters over. So you recognize everybody and you know the visual continuity is still there. And I'm on board. And if you like comic books that are cool representations of today's society, like Girls Roller Derby, it's good. It's a good female empowerment comic as well. I mean, I can't imagine a lot of guys getting into this, but I would think that girls would get into this. And And I'm just a weird old comics reader, so I like this anyway. But a little under the last series, but still chugging along.
0: All right. So next, Jimmy's Bastards, which I guess chugging along is the nicest way to put. (sighs) Four didn't do it for you or what? Four didn't do it for me. Ah, too bad. I mean. I didn't think
1: it was perfect, but I didn't have any problems. It didn't slow down at all.
0: Nah, it didn't slow down at all, but it lost that depth that he's introduced with it.
1: I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's some times in a plot where things don't progress and, and you're like, okay, I can with it as long as the action and adventure keep me going. And I think that's probably what keeps you going on Jimmy's Bastards. I'm thinking, what is it, six or seven issues maybe? I don't know. Maybe eight tops, if that.
0: That if would be that... a long one. This, yeah, I'm thinking like... a couple. This is, I, I hope it's six.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the main character is a James Bond guy who's on a, who's the victim, of, or I should say the possible victim of a revenge plot by all of his illegitimate children and his, his uh, failed loves or whatever it was. And Ennis uh, does his best to keep the things going, but I'm not really sure. It's like, it's like a push and pull between a parody and something he sees is very serious and dramatic. And I'm like, well, yeah, we got to find a balance he, here, you know? Right.
0: He wants to make a comment on, you know, how male behavior and stuff. And it's like... No, that's,
1: pretty, that's pretty controversial these days.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's also like he, he didn't really have anything funny to, or interesting to say about it with this. Like... He's not going for that kind of comic. Like the, it's very action. It's very um, easy. It gets very serious, and then yeah, and then it'll get very serious, and you know, it's not. It's it's more. I think at its height, whatever issue that was, we were saying that it was show when he learned how to do comedy. No, it wasn't four. Four wasn't the best issue.
1: Oh, you're talking about the lead ups.
0: Yeah, whichever was the best one, two or three. Anyway, like Ennis had figured out his comedy because he did that great comedy series a couple of years ago, but eh, this seems like it's too much.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see how Jimmy's Bastards go. Again, it's still it's still miles ahead pretty much of anything the mainstream press are putting out. But uh Jimmy's Bastards is what you'd call f- kind of fun Ennis rather than serious Ennis. Yeah. Because if you want serious Ennis, you're going to read his new Punisher series.
0: Are we talking about that now? Okay. Our,
1: yeah, let's just transition to that. Did we right? talk
0: about it uh, before? Let me look.
1: No, 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 no. We haven't talked it about it. First... It okay. came out two weeks ago. Number one came out Okay.
0: So, little... Uh, well, I'm going to tell the Ennis Punisher story. Sure. Uh, and everybody who goes to Vern's shop can mock him about it. So when <laughs> I started buying comics from Vern... It was before Punisher Max started. And like one of our first conversations was me talking about how excited I was about Ennis doing Punisher Max. Ennis doing serious Punisher. Yeah. And Burns like, "Nah, the Marvel Knights, the only way to do Punisher now is like the only way it's ever it's going to work is if you make fun of it." And right. I'm like, mm, "Whatever, dude. Whatever, yeah, comic shop, man." Uh, you know what? But Punisher's a one-note character.
1: His – what? His 15 years of life leading up into Punisher Max was something that only teenage boys could really get a thrill out of, OK? And
0: then – so anyway, Punisher Max was amazing. I think what? There are seven or eight trades and only one of them isn't amazing. So – Yeah. Barracuda. Barracuda sucked, all right? Like it's so mediocre. Anyway – So, uh, Ennis also did a Punisher Born. I lost you. You lost me? I'm back. It's just, I think the audio, the video's delayed. Yeah, you're back now. All right. So, Punisher uh, Platoon is Ennis doing another Punisher Vietnam comic. He already did Born, which I think he did before Punisher Max.
1: I well, it no. It was a mini series, like after, wasn't it?
0: No, I think that's what led into it, and that's and you and Born is incredibly problematic. So <laughs> yeah, Born is two thousand
1: three. One where this writer, okay, okay, but but uh, the 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 prequel to this had him
0: no, with a, no, 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 no. The guy in this is the guy who was in the last arc of. Punisher Max, The Valley Forge Arc. Right, Valley Forge, This, right. this is like there's no crossover with Born. Born was just a straight Vietnam straight Vietnam story. flashback. Um, so yeah, it very kind of problematicy. Uh I don't think I've read it again since the first time.
1: Right. That maybe had the Derek once. Robertson yeah, on it. Yeah, the Derek Robertson on
0: it. So anyway, fast forward Ennis is back at Marvel doing a Punisher uh, (coughs) limited series set in Vietnam. Punisher TV show starts in a month. Yay! The the, the books are coming out every two weeks. Like, we're seeing a very, what you would think of as a cash grab. Because, you know, Punisher, Ennis hasn't done Punisher in a while.
1: Right, it's been a couple of years at least, yeah.
0: Yeah, so the first issue, you know... It's 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 really good. It's a really good comic. Good setup. Good setup. Yeah.
1: You've got the writer writing about the Punisher in present day where he corrals four guys who were his charge in when he was first assigned to go to Vietnam.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's got this perfect setup. Um, like, almost too perfect. Like, is Ennis going to be able to make this work? Yeah. Then you get to the second issue.
1: And again, that word sublime creeps in there.
0: It's, it's just like, it's too much. Like you read this comic and the world goes quiet around you. Like it is Ennis taking everything he's learned about writing a war comic. Layering in Frank Castle in a very interesting way as not even an, as sort of an, as a, he's, he's tragic he's already tragic. He's already lost at this point. Right. Like,
1: because he is his first trip overseas as an active soldier. And he's already in the command of a, a unit of men when he gets there with no experience in Vietnam whatsoever.
0: And it's castle who has no experience. So yeah. And right. so, yeah. Um
1: and I, the guys the guys you know they have to they have to go along with them because he's the commander but it, it, they all talk about like well he's green. Right. But he but he makes all the fucking right decisions because his instincts are so perfect. And you know. And
0: um yeah, so, I mean, Goran Parlov, it's like Ennis was just waiting until he had Goran Parlov or something.
1: He, his artwork is so improved. <sighs> Goran Parlov, I can remember when he was a fill-in artist for Pia Guerrero on Why the Last Man. I can to
0: remember when you used to whine about him, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's like one of those European guys that's technically okay but kind of personally boring, you know? Not but, anymore. And he kicks ass. I mean, there's, there's some great fights Scenes when the Vietnamese are trying to overrun Frank's position with his troops, and it is it is possibly one of the best battle scenes I've ever oh, seen in so a world of like my life. I mean, <sighs> when when you see, and I'll just say one tiny little thing, not a spoiler, but one tiny little thing. When when the shit hits the fan and the guys are waiting to hear his next command, and he says, bayonets on, and they oh. just start fucking going for it, and you see Frank. Fucking spear this Vietnamese guy in the eye, fucking picking him up off the ground, showing an example of what the kind of ferocity he's showing his men that it's going to take to survive this. Oh. And I'm like, God damn, man. You know, I'm like, I'm freaking out. And it, it's it's so emotionally charged. And you may not like war, but you have to admit this is like, this isn't war. Well, it is war, but it's like honest. You know, you, you fight or you die. Okay, that's what that's about. Yeah, it's
0: it's about Ennis is like looking at the survival thing, which has never made sense with the Punisher because, you know, he can't be a superhero if like it's all about killing for survival, like a compulsion survival. So that's very, yeah, it's just freaking awesome. And when you
1: transist these scenes with the modern day remembrances with the four guys, you know, these are the only four guys that are still living out of that unit. You know, and I'm like, holy shit! I mean, again, we lose that word "sublime" again, so we got to read another sublime comic this week. I mean, if you don't like violence, stay away. But God, you know, I really Punisher is is, is fucking Garth Ennis's bitch all the way down the line. No one do, don't read any other Punisher comics other than Garth. Ennis no, Pun-
0: not even the ones don't. that Steve Dillon did with somebody else. Like, not nope. don't read mediocre Punisher comics because it's going to ruin your understanding of what can be done with this character. It's like reading modern day swamp thing comics and instead of Alan Moore. Like Right. Right. Yeah. You you are there. You believe it.
1: Frank is real and his compatriots are real. The Vietnamese are real. Like when the Vietnam commander is trying to uh logically tell his subordinate sniper that don't let revenge get in the way of the bigger picture. And that is possibly, you know, that's the enemy talking. And, and Ennis has just as much respect for the enemy as he does the yeah. American soldiers. And he uses the point of view of the Vietnamese commander to great effect in this book. Anyway, it doesn't get any better than this. It really doesn't. I mean, fucking, this is great shit. Can't say anything more about it
0: except we uh, are we're going gonna... to say more about garth ennis i just realized yeah, dastardly gonna... and mutterly or mutterly this guy
1: works doesn't he man. he does
0: okay so here we go second issue again of a funny garth ennis book where it's working And another
1: dc Hanna barbera tie-in I right
0: so who knows if it's going to go the way of jimmy's bastards for me but dastardly i got burned back on board with this one. Um, First
1: issue a little shaky second issue got me on it got everything under control
0: yep but too, too long a to know... set too long. What is going on with these books that their setup is too long? Like, we're seeing it more with DC, I feel like, or... Um, yeah, because the first issue of this
1: book didn't need 20 pages well, of setup. Well, even
0: Angelic. Even Angelic, that setup was too fucking long.
1: Right, If right. you and, opened and,
0: with this, you could have opened with her on the beach and filled yeah. in with flashback.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Dastardly and Mutley uh, are Hanna-Barbera characters that appeared in... I think it was a wacky races when I was a kid. Yeah. And then they had some interesting uh what like this Dick Dastardly was in the Mad Max uh influenced uh oh, was wacky he? Okay, races. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: remember, you remember that him. One. He had yeah. some
1: Yeah. Did I finish and, reading uh, that comic? I I think you did. I think you did. I think you had that on your stop uh, your uh your uh comics fondle site if I remember correctly. But Dastardly and Mutley is a different beast, though, because it's almost surreal and hallucinogenic and it has these two guys who are co-soldiers that has to go through this really fucked up experience involving a psychedelic drone discharge that affects reality wherever it
0: goes. It turns reality into a cartoon. Maybe this is a prequel to uh, the Shaky one. Rough and ready. Yeah, rough anyway, and ready. so yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, given how bad the Hanna Barbera um, crossover was, yeah, if they can somehow do a uh, Crisis of the Hanna Barbera, well, I'm on board for that. That'd be amazing. Oh yeah, oh I, I yeah. would love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and you can do whatever you want because these are not kid comics. Okay. No. Yeah, Dastardly and Muttley, and uh, it's
0: so violent, like. It's so funny, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's funny, it's absurdist, it's surreal, and it's kind of like – it's 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 like Garth Ennis having a good time writing. Yeah. You know what I mean? When a writer writer can write Punisher Platoon and it takes all of his effort as a creative individual, what and then he can just like dash off something like Dastardly and Mutley because it's like a, a humorous tale he's telling his nephew or some bullshit like that. You know what I mean? It, it's just uh, – it's amazing how much range he has as a writer sometimes, you know? Dastardly and Mutley, would you figure we'd recommend a book like that? Well, I know we're getting Ennis whores, but we're not easy on him either. When he, no. he, There's good Ennis, there's okay Ennis, and then there's Ennis getting the paycheck. Okay? But uh, Dastardly and Mutley, even though you could accuse Ennis of just getting the paycheck on this, you know, he, it's he, still worth reading. Yeah. You know, there's they're, no they're fucking than Batman yeah. by like Tom King, for Christ's sakes.
0: And that's a weird segue since we're going to talk about Batman White Knight.
1: Holy fuck, you're right. Well... Uh, on one of those rare opportunities where we find a artist of high quality who can also kind of have a decent level of writing, Sean Murphy uh, starts in with this tale of uh, Batman the Black Knight where we... White Knight. It's kind of an Elseworlds book, right?
0: I don't know. I think they're waiting to see how well it does.
1: It, 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 it kind of reminds you because this plot has been done before. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah.
0: I think this yeah. plot... Started in the seventies.
1: Where you reverse the roles of the Joker and the Batman yeah. is what we're talking about here basically. Sorry, guys.
0: Yeah. It's um Murphy really buys into this idea of the duality of Batman and the Joker.
1: Right. The funny the,
0: part when,
1: what? in the reversibleness of yeah.
0: it. Uh Mark Miller really buys into that because he did yes. that fucking Nemesis book. Ugh. Um Lots of people don't play no. into it. Uh, it kind of started with Killing Joke. There might even be a line in that. like, But we've really gone from the you made me to um, we're interchangeable. The, but what White Knight got a lot of visual um, gags, or not gags, but visual details that call back to the animated series the movies all sorts of stuff a lot of like sean murphy did that toy comic with grant morrison right
1: right right yeah yeah.
0: so i mean like his detail is out of this world um and i expected the book just to be an art wank book but yeah
1: yeah especially with sean murphy
0: yeah but i mean he's no he's like taking the opportunity he's going for his dark night here you know he's like
1: he really is it's a fully convincing portrayal of the joker as a totally sympathetic character who gets the shit kicked out of him by batman on a a regular basis and batman is kind of a madman uncontrollable rage character and he's very successful at giving you sympathy towards joker and suspicion and hatred towards batman to some degree and the hurt the first issue is just fucking mind blowing because it's fully convincing. I guess you'd yeah. say. I mean, Andrew and I are old farts, and if you can get us to read a Batman book at this period, I know, about, right? you know,
0: and it's got it's got like New Fifty Two or Rebirth continuity because of to Nightwing and Batgirl or the way they're in it. I am like, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything Wait, about portrayed this stuff, partner. Yeah, so, but Murphy gets it through, and I mean, it's um. Harley Quinn comes in next issue, if he can make me, like... If
1: he can pull her off, that will be a coup de grace. It I, really yeah. will. Yeah,
0: so we'll see. Like, he's really raised expectations for this. Like, I will jump off a Sean Murphy book.
1: But like, oh, yeah, if it doesn't keep up the... So uh, if, he,
0: if he fucks this up, like, I will... I, I, will I don't be- need to i don't i don't like i didn't stick with that deep sea one remember that piece of shit yeah but don't blame he didn't write it wasn't that. him it was that fucking terrible writer who works at marvel or dc scott it was scott snyder oh god that guy sucks yeah, yeah. The, anyway
1: Scott snyder exactly
0: so yeah so but i will jump off uh, I, I will jump off this book someday if he doesn't keep it through and uh, no, i might wait. even do it because I'll be so upset, so disappointed. Right. When you
1: start out with when you start out so strong as this, you really you really gotta make it up. You've gotta make sure that every issue after that at least mm-hmm. competes with the first issue. And you know something? I haven't read a fucking Batman comic in years. And this I picked up and I was fully engr- engrossed in it and I wanna read the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I probably will because that's my job, but you're right in that. Like, like it's going to be incredibly hard to keep up the momentum like that. I mean, if if, if he's It'd got these
0: added issues too,
1: I think it's up to eight.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, eight's a long time, and it's definitely going to be late because again, Sean Murphy doesn't know when to stop drawing. Yeah. He just keeps drawing and drawing. The one full-page panel with the Joker in his cell, with all the Batman toy paraphernalia yeah. around, is possibly one of the. I wanted the original art for that page. I mean, I, I would pay if I had the money. I would definitely okay. <clears throat> and hang it on the wall next to my family portraits because it's just so fucking good, you know. But anyway, if there's one Batman book you have to read in this lifetime, it's Batman White Knight. At least well, not one.
0: this lifetime. If there's one Batman book that that's being published right now, you need to read it.
1: Yeah, right now, right?
0: Because Skip
1: Tom's Skip Tom King, Skip Snot, Scott Snyder, it's all crap. You know, this is kind of an interesting Batman book, you know, I can't even, well, you know, and I'll, I'll I'll digress slightly. Tom King took over. Now, Tom King is a formalist writer who's had some luck with, uh, the Iraq book. I think it was last year, Omega Man. And, uh, and he's not a bad writer. He's he's one for formal experimentation, but God, nobody wants formal experimentation on Batman. Okay. Batman is cut and dried superhero bullshit. And you know what? The fans that read Batman just want to read a comic that they don't have to think about too hard, which I understand. So, I don't know. I I, I, I hate to say it, but I think I actually like Scott Snyder's stories more just because they're more like linear. Okay. Let's just move on.
0: We're not having yeah. this conversation.
1: Yeah. We can't argue about Batman on the show. Nobody, You and I don't give a shit about Batman. <laughs> yeah. Let's – but anyway, uh, we'll continue on because I know that you're – but his
0: Mr. Miracle is next on the list. and Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't realize you were long segueing.
1: Yeah, you know, me and my over-talkiness, over you know, that's how it <sighs> goes sometimes. So
0: you're still reading Mr. Miracle. Tell us about it. You know, it's it, it still ha- –
1: OK, I'm fully uh, – by, by three, I'm fully in, 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 insured by the idea this is hallucination by Mr. Miracle. You're hinted at it in the first issue. But by two and three, he's definitely not on reality anymore. And I was like, well, if you don't know about Mr. Miracle, this is a hard title to get into because it really demands a, somewhat of a knowledge of the hierarchy of Mr. Miracle and who he's married to and, and who is and, – and I'm not, not fully convinced. I'm going to finish it off because I like Mr. Miracle and I like um, – who's the artist the on art- this? Uh, yeah. Joe- Jared's – you know, there's not too many guys that can draw Kirby characters convincing. I mean, right. they always look like shit all the time. And George does a great job of, 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 of uh, depicting a fully convincing universe involving Kirby characters, which I give him credit for. The problem lies in all the formal aspects of the book, which want to push the boundaries of superhero stories. And that's a tough, tough one to hold, because most people who read superhero comics don't want formal experimentation. You know, and he's really in love with the nine panel page. There's a lot of that in here. In fact, it's almost like the reason it exists is to see if I can tell a formal experiment story with nine panels per page.
0: You know what? At this point, why doesn't DC just do that to all their fucking books so they can all be like Watchmen? Fuck it. Or is it twelve, yeah. right? Wasn't Watchmen twelve? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck it. Just do that, guys. Just just make every book look like Watchmen. It'll be easier for me to read someday. Like if I ever right. want to like suffer through mediocre DC comics, at least they'll all look like Watchmen. Sorry. Right.
1: I have to say the verdict the 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 the, the verdict on Mister Miracle is still open with me, but I'm not I'm not enthused. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's okay, but I'm not ripping my pants off and running outdoors to read Mister Miracle.
0: Speaking of oh. things that you are ripping your pants off to run around outdoors to oh. read, let's talk about Rich Tasso's Spy Seal. Did we talk about We did talk about it last time, and we told everybody to go get this fucking book, because it's, it's set in a world of animals, okay? Like talking Anthrop- animals. Yeah. Anthropomorphized animals. Everybody. No people. Um... It's not, it's set in the 80s. It's kind of, it's not light and happy. It's dark. It's realistic. Like there. But it looks like a Tintin novel. Right. But it looks like a Tintin. And it's got these beautiful action scenes. They're just on these tiny little panels. And you're just kind of like. How can it be so delicate? It is so, it's so amazing just reading this book. And it's just, there's only one more. Yeah. And I'm like, no. I want, go on for, I want to go on
1: for at least 12 or 15
0: issues. I don't <laughs> care, dude. Yeah. I
1: mean, <clears throat> it, it, the, the whole homage to Tintin is great. Because when you talk about formal experimentation in the comics, it, 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 Rich Tommaso, like, I've been less than impressed by some of his... Uh, formal experiments of looking at mainstream comics to this point. But he seems to have uh, found the right chemistry here between his subject matter and his formal experimentation. He's taken Hergé's storytelling methods and imposed them on an anthropomorphic spy novel, which is still in the realm of Tintin, okay, and the quest, the whole quest thing. But the fact that Spy Seal is a fucking seal, and he, he's a new spy for the British government, and he's under the mentorship of a older woman agent who he's kind of fallen in love with, you know, which yep. is very unprofessional. And their adventures, and it just, you know, there. Are, it, what's really nice is, like you see, there's like twelve, sometimes more panels per page on this thing. And he just does it with such loving grace. I mean, you'll have some of these pages that are just littered with plot and the word balloons, and then they're followed by three or four pages of action where there's barely a word spoken. And
0: the action, oh, the the pacing on that action. <sighs>
1: you want to you want to know how to do a basic comic well? I think Rich Tommaso, if he gets to finish this really well, this may be like one of his crowning masterpieces yeah. of career. It really is good. Yeah. I can't wait to, like, see it in a trade paperback format and sell I it to my customers. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: It's one of those ones. I can't wait to recommend it in a trade. Yeah, yeah.
1: Spice Seal's good shit, man.
0: All right. So next up is Fujitsu. I don't – what? You, you started learning Fujitsu.
1: I – I you know, giant, was it Jay Nitz? He was a, he, is it? was Okay. Jay Nitz. You know, that. that's why I ordered it in the shop because what was the name of that book he did for Dark Horse about that uh, – is it The Dream Thief? Is that what it was called? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And that was a very good first series, and the second series was only less so because the artist got pulled away by fucking Marvel halfway through it. Greg Smallwood, I think his name was, he did some work with uh, Moon Knight over at Marvel. Well, needless to say, I'd rather have him on Dream Thief. But Fujitsu is another kind of lighthearted – one thing about Jay Nitz, he seems to be a lighthearted writer. And he's filled with humor, but his subjects are totally serious. Fujitsu's about like this kung fu master who may be immortal, but he looks like a young boy, and his adventures and trying to f- fight off his big nemesis who wants to conquer the world. It's kind of like James James Bond stuff, but cool with a cool protagonist who wears shorts and who's the master of many different subjects. The second issue brings into play his number one agent, which is an android he invented, but he also fell in love with. And very bizarre stuff, yeah. And yet it's presented as kind of like a lighthearted adventure comic, which you might miss mistake for a kid's comic if you didn't read it close enough. And the artist, Wesley St. Clair, does a pretty good job of carrying it through. It's not deep, but it's kind of fun and it keeps the you know, Nitz is good about keeping the momentum going on this thing and keeping the characters interesting, even though they're kind of a parody or a study of the archetypes of comic book characters. And Fujitsu's fun. It really needs it's – it's one of aftershocks. There's only like a couple. I know. Couple of, I just
0: saw that it was an aftershock of all things. Yeah, I forget. There's some Marvel dude
1: and somebody else who formed aftershock. And they've had pretty much no luck breaking into the market from what I can understand. I read a couple of their books. Jimmy's Again,
0: Bastards is an aftershock.
1: Exactly. And a lot of them are real light. I think that's one of the problems is you need more meat in their book line because I read a few of them and they need more meat. But Jujitsu, or Fujitsu, I should say, is is a fun read, and uh, I dug it. I thought it was pretty cool. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to let you hang it over on, on something you've been keeping track
0: of that ever loving oh, Ellen. Damn it! It is my turn to talk about it. it. All right. Yeah. Let me go look since I block from memory how I feel about cinematurga Purgatorio at this point it, it, um, it's
1: it's a tough slog because that the, the anthology series started out promising and it's just kind of degraded into like maybe one story in the front you want to read by alan moore and kevin o'neill
0: all right so oh yeah this one's got the stuntman story i mean it's not a full story for Moore. it's all right i guess
1: Well, these are like little studies, aren't they? Yeah,
0: they're studies in film history, and this one's about stuntmen. It's okay. Um, It's not one of the worst ones, but it's not one of the best ones. It seems like it's underdone, like his scripts aren't as strong anymore. Oh, look, he fell victim to the pitch. Uh, Yeah,
1: there you go. And
0: then Code Prue is, I'm just going to ruin it, It's you're seeing Garth Ennis do a, a fucking Jurassic Park homage.
1: Wow. Yeah, very simple stuff. I guess that's or commensurate. I'm trying to get the road right with the kind of pay they probably get from Avatar. Yeah,
0: and it's just like I don't know, like what the hell has happened to that and the rest of them? I don't. I don't want to talk about them. So. I'm
1: not even sure Avatar. You know, Avatar in the not the last previews, but the one before that, they didn't solicit any titles. They just put their backlist up and they charged. They said retailers can buy all of our backlist trade paperbacks for six bucks a hit. I don't know if they're falling apart over there or what, but they've got maybe two titles they solicited in the latest previews, and I'm like, ugh. And and, and Avatar, despite the fact that it's the comic book company that publishes what no one else will touch, it has a unique place in comic publishing, you know, because guys like Warren Ellis, Alan Moore, Garth Ennis are allowed to pursue ideas that Marvel and DC wouldn't touch. Yeah, And Garth Ennis, particularly with his really fine war stories, you know, you've been really enjoying that. Nobody writes war stories better than Garth Ennis.
0: Well, his Some- really fine ones weren't it.
1: Yeah, Avatar. there you go. There
0: you I go. mean, but the, he turned the book around once he started taking it seriously, so... But you know. well, that's it. I mean, he gets his favorite,
1: like, cheap foreign artists to work on the book, and they that work there. that
0: come along a lot since the beginning of it, so, you know. He's, that, still,
1: he's still got the same guy on the book for a while now. I that's think not, that
0: started with the second arc that used to have so many problems, and he's gotten a lot better. Good. Like, Glad to hear it. It's going to go out on a high note, but yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. I'm glad so, to hear
0: that. War Stories is there because nobody will publish it because it doesn't sell shit. And it didn't sell yeah. shit anywhere. It didn't sell shit with good artists, famous artists. Dynamite couldn't sell it to their DC levels. Couldn't DC it. couldn't sell it. You know, it's just been – Ennis just keeps plugging away because he loves doing these things. But
1: You've got to hand it to him. It's, what, been 15 years of War Stories and Ennis just won't stop beating his head on the wall to, to show people how much passion he has for War Stories, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, he's, he's still probably the number one uh, writer in this generation of war stories. There's just oh, nobody. There's,
0: who would be a co- – There's who,
1: nobody. There's I, nobody. Like, yeah, anyway. I Moore might do a one-off story that's on that league, but Wait, he'd only who? do one, you know, where Ennis keeps cranking them out. All right. And not that he ever did any. He never did any. But you try to find a contemporary writer that might compete, but not
0: over the long period. that No, Creasy. Remember Creasy? No, not at all. That was a good war comic. Remember that one? Yeah,
1: hey, that was very good. Yeah, that was one of the rare Warren Ellis ones yeah. that you could read and enjoy. Done in one and everything. Yeah, yeah. Anyway,
0: so. I'm going to
1: keep talking, I think.
0: Oh, you didn't read Copperhead? I
1: did not get a chance. It's one that slipped under the wire for me. I'm sorry, but I, I normally enjoy it, but I didn't get to read the new one, though.
0: So uh, I guess we're kicking off a new arc. Um, the artist is the new guy. He's a uh, looser than he had gotten at the end of the last arc, which is too bad. Drew, Drew Moss. Drew Moss. Um you know, it's it's Copperhead. I'm gonna you stick with Copperhead, like we learned that. We learned yeah. that through the first couple I mean the first three arcs really, you know, favor delivers. Uh you just gotta be patient with them and enjoy what you get from the characters. Until it pays off.
1: Yeah, so. I have to agree with you. He he found a good vehicle. I mean you and I never would have read Jay Farber comics with any kind of seriousness a few years back. No nope. but for some reason he clicks with Copperhead, yeah. the story a, of a sheriff on a mining asteroid slash planet who has various sundry adventures involving being the a sh- woman sheriff in right. a corrupt area and her husband being a ex husband being a uh a hunted criminal and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty good stuff. Straightforward kind of Western, oaky, kind of mystery yeah. stuff with science fiction tinges, you know. And, you know, he delivers, and Copperhead deserves an audience. Uh, yeah, right, it nice, does. You know?
0: All right, so now you're going to talk about a tomahawk. Well, you know, it, it, I found that Donny
1: Ga- Cates has been around a little longer than we thought he has. I thought that he was relatively new, but he's been doing some shit. Now, a tomahawk collects his, I guess you call this three chapters that appeared in Grant Morrison's heavy metal magazine. Okay. And it's uh, woefully underbaked. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's it's more of a sketch, you know what I mean, mm. than it is a written thing. And it's, I, I don't even know if saved is the right word. The guy, Ian Biederman draws it all in this kind of like real stiff graphic style that he gets through. And it's science fiction-y about this att- Warrior that wants to destroy everything, and I'm like, again, it's like a half baked high school script that some high schooler. I think you made fun of uh, who was that guy who's the guy that wrote 18 Days in the Night or whatever that was that the vampire story in Alaska that we made fun Shit. of, Steve Niles. Steve Niles, yeah. yeah, 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 it's it's in Steve Niles League, okay? If you were gonna take some index pa- paper and write a script out in five pages on your school notebook. That's about the level of writing we're going for here. Uh, I will say for the artist, they've got like a special section that shows like all of his drawings tra- transferred into tattoos. Oh. There's some badass tattoos, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give the guy credit. He, he you, you, whoever the tattoo artist that adapted his works on the people's arms, legs, anuses, whatever. Good shit. I, I, if I was gonna get a tattoo, I might consider this guy. But don't read the book. All right. Well, and we'll What's that? Yeah, the book you, you should read, read,
0: however, is yeah. Maestros, out of fucking nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like, who even put this out? Is it Image? It's Image, right? It's
1: Image. It's an Image book, yeah, yeah.
0: Steve Scross, who's... Of all motherfuckers. Now, why... Okay, so how do I know this guy?
1: Steve Scrooge, he worked for Marvel back in the days when you were still shopping there. He drew Amazing Spider-Man, and he drew prior to that uh cable the young version of cable when he was starting out.
0: Are you fucking kidding? He's like I that level a, of Marvel
1: hack? Not hack. Well his work was good. And he developed Well I just it.
0: mean hack as in terms of like he was banking yeah. it out. Okay. He did
1: some beautiful issues of Spider-Man and they got hired away by the Wojcikowski brothers to do the Matrix storyboarding with along with uh Okay Jeff so Diff-
0: yes this is um no Oh, I thought – know. I, I thought it was uh, somebody else. Keep going. Keep okay.
1: going. Okay. Well, Steve Scorsese is known to be a very liquid, well-designed, active adventure artist. He does great shit. He did that – what, that Frankenstein book for the uh, – what uh, the Watchkowski's brother, Matrix Comics, whatever the fuck it was.
0: Okay, Doc yeah. Frankenstein,
1: I think it was yeah, called. Yeah,
0: Doc Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, and not that that really went anywhere, but it was nicely conceived. But maestros, I mean – Give us the lowdown on the plot for that, please.
0: So Maestros is this freaking – okay, so uh, – and he also did We Stand on Guard, which was a big deal. when it Yeah, came I guess so. Brian K. Bond being a big deal. But it was yeah. kind of a
1: a book anyway. Right.
0: So anyway, um, Maestros is about <laughs> – Maestros could be an Avatar book. Um, Maestros is about uh, the, the reality of the universe is the Earth is a creation – of magicians who live in an alternate dimension and are not immortal but close to it in terms of long living and they created the earth as a joke without any magic just to see what we did and we made up religion and aren't we stupid so the maestro who's the king wizard the wizard king I think yes, he calls wizard him king. the Absolutely. wizard king which just sounds yeah. fucking weird sounds
1: So like album
0: right yeah it sounds <laughs> um so the wizard king comes to earth sees uh abby cable uh decides that I'm he looking
1: dick working at a bookstore yeah right
0: uh hippie chick decides that he he wants to make her one of his wives because he's got like a gazillion but she doesn't know that until so she goes to magic land they have a kid kid grows up to be, but then they get banished to Earth for some reason.
1: Well, she's an Earthling and she can't cope with being right, in his Right, but there rep- was
0: something there was some decision in Magic Land that they had to stay on Earth and keep okay. under the radar because the sun can do magic. Yeah. So we get this set up in the first half of the book. It is foul. It is Garth Ennis foul. Like and it's like a mix of Garth Ennis and Alan Moore, which is fucking weird that somebody that this guy can do that, right? Like he's grossy of all people, right? So then that's just the first half of the book where the mom has to go rescue the son. So like they're gonna have their you know quest to become royals because the book starts with the existing maestro, the dad dying.
1: And all the families that yeah. are ahead of him in line to be heirs to the throne. So it
0: has to be this Earth, this Half-Earthling. The second half of the book is the Half-Earthling's backstory and about him yeah. going to wizard school. So him, it's like going to be a fucked up Harry Potter mixed with a fucked up Game of Thrones type thing with magic and just yeah. obscenity. Like, it, it kind of, yeah, it's like, it's not Eric Powell level yeah. But Steve Scorsese
1: has a wonderful visual imagination. Yes. All and, I mean, it's just in this beautiful, thing beautiful. Panels.
0: It's The
1: sunflower like, dude who doesn't oh. talk. I want one of those potted plants for my fucking house. He looks great.
0: So, yeah, out of nowhere, this fucking book. There you go.
1: Yep. Maestro's one. Don't know if he can carry the momentum of the humor uh, too far because we've never seen Steve Scorsese write anything. But uh, Maestro's one is worth three ninety nine easily. Oh, yeah, for easily. that art?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Lots of fun. Yeah, we, we dug that. And you know what? That's eminently sellable as a TV or a movie. Oh,
0: exactly. You know, I mean...
1: It, 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 well, you know, this. it's great because he even fucking looks like Harry Potter in the first scene we right. see him in when uh, his, his father... I'm, I'm trying not to give... Uh, spoilers but it's just a scene and when maestros is confronted by his son for the first time that he's probably never seen right. really and he goes my my you turned out to be such a tubby or something to that <laughs> effect. and i'm just laughing my head off i'm like he, he, the first thing he said is son that he doesn't even know him after his son catches him and his mom you know i'm like jesus man so it's kind of like R rated, but just kind of a soft R to this point, you know. I mean, there's I well, don't know, maybe
0: into, well
1: this, the, the image the, the 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 chaos scenes are pretty yeah. nasty.
0: So yeah, that, that's one hell of a book. I'm I'm glad it, you read it.
1: <laughs> I love Maestros. It it came in like I was going to do the PDF they sent me, but then the uh, but then the the book comes and I'm like I get a retailer uh, incentive edition that's got like the word Maestros like in Boston in gold. So I'm like, okay, they sent me this. I, I really should read it. And I like Steve Scrocy's artwork and I just enjoyed the fuck out of it. I really did. It was great stuff. But anyway, it's so good to have some good books to review this uh, time around. We were actually enthusiastic about reading comic books this I show. I know.
0: Like, think about how many books we're looking forward to right now. Yeah. I just <laughs> a few months ago, it was Black Hammer and, you know, something. Dumped in,
1: but, but but and one of them is a Marvel, the the, the Punisher book, and Punisher. two of them are DCs, the Batman and the Rough and Ready, and and we can't wait for the next issues of any of these. So it's kind of an exciting time to go to the comic store and look around, you know. And uh, if the clerk doesn't point these books out to you, slap them senseless and tell them to listen to our fucking podcast. man, I'm telling you, um, trade paperbacks. You want to run, want me to run through those real quick? Yep. Since I haven't
0: done any of them,
1: <sighs> that's all right. You've read Mister Miracle, I think, haven't you? The old Kirby shit? Now it's before your time. Anyway, DC put out a Mr. Miracle compendium that has, like, I think all 13 or 16 issues of Mr. Miracle in one book. It's a nice, juicy slice. It's colored nice. It's on decent paper. And if you're a Kirby fan at all and you love Mr. Miracle and Big Barda, get this fucker. Uh, Flintstones Volume 2. Uh, well, okay, I read that. Um, yeah, that's some good shit. That collects the last half of the Flintstones book yeah. by... Uh, Shit, who is our author on that one? I know that uh, Stephen Pugue is... Uh, Mark Russell, right? Mark
0: Russell.
1: Mark Russell and Stephen Pugue uh, do a great job with uh, Flintstones, bringing them updated with uh, a slightly serious sociological theme. Both volumes, highly recommended by Andrew and I. Uh, then we go to a mini series from Marvel, which we'll probably collect it soon. And I'm not recommending it for the writing, although the structure is nice because... James Robertson and this guy, Aiko, who was working at DC exclusively prior to this, do a Nick Fury miniseries, one through six. And it's a great homage to the old Stranco days. And Aiko's art is just ball swinging crazy. Uh, he does so much intricate work, computer layouts, layovers, coloring. It's just a visual treat. And so if you see any, if you can grab all six issues of Nick Fury from your dealer and he'll give you a deal, then buy them because they're a lot of fun. And let's see here. We had one more that came out this week. One of my favorite artists from Art Spiegelman's Old Days at Raw was a uh, cartoonist called, I think, R. Sikoriuk. He did some great stuff. He did Masterpiece Comics. And then he did that totally unreadable recently uh, terms and conditions about what the Apple or whatever. Oh yeah, that is. one. Okay. Oh my God! I, 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 I. Every once in a while, like creative people, even yourself to some degree, get into like these these chores they give themselves. Like you know, I'm gonna take the Apple terms and conditions contract and turn it into a 64 page comic. You know, but this time he does something called the unquotable Trump. And this is an art project that really deserves your time, especially if you, shall we say, lean politically towards the left. Because he takes about 40 classic comic book covers from like the 40s onwards or 50s onwards and he throws Trump in there and Trump replaces the dialogue with actual quotes that he said. And and the juxtaposition of the old comic book covers, having Trump on them with his actual quotes is hilarious scary and artful all at the same time and he skewers Archie uh Adventureland comics Marvel DC uh what the hell is that Speedy Gonzalez, okay because you know how much Trump loves Mexicans and it just it's a wonderful art book and I highly recommend picking it up and looking at it, very least next time you're in a comic store and to finish off Trades, I'm going to say I finished Sinner finally. Those last right. hundred pages were sublime. I uh,
0: told you. Did you read it in it, one
1: sitting? And you know what I like the most about it? He finishes on this happy mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. note where Alex Sinner is making breakfast and eggs for his
0: guest. I mean, it's who a the fuck does that? Ama- I mean, that's the book. Like That's God, the book. That's the book. It, should- they need to release that by itself. IDW needs to release that one by itself.
1: Yes. It, it, it shows the emergence of um, uh, Sampoyo and Munoz at, as possibly two, two of the most creative people in comics in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in just, world, like, it's just of great. Of
0: all time. We're talking about of all time. We're not talking about like… Of all time. Right. Yeah. right, right.
1: And the fact that it's translated in English so smoothly… I mean, how many times have we seen comics translated in English for company, the countries that just kind of suck because they're clunky right. and it's hard to do translations? This thing works. So go out and get that Alex Sinner trade. It's just gorgeous stuff. If you're into noir detectives, if, and it even ceases about that because I think by the end he's not really detecting anything. He's nope. just about to live a day. It's
0: So you know? weird.
1: It is. It is. But anyway, that's that's the collection. for. So we got a really good chunk of comics for your asses. So you have no excuse to whine and just read some good shit, man. I'm telling you.
0: Okay. Now, if we talk about media, do you promise not to spoil um, the Flash, Flash any more than you have?
1: I didn't. Did I, did I spoil you, Flash? You
0: know, you kind of did. Kind of a well, little. I said down the cat. Okay.
1: So uh, do, TV's back. I'll, I'll do my best, but you haven't seen the latest episode,
0: have you? I have not, so you can't spoil. It, but we're just going to say That's this, like the only fucking show other than
1: Supergirl we've seen. I think have I've you been seen Supergirl Legends?
0: I watched. I watched. I watched oh, this, yeah, Legends. I saw Legends you know. this week, and I saw. Um, I saw Supergirl. So, oh, good.
1: Two, um, three. I have no problem with that. You, you'll have to do the leads though, because I only watched The Flash and Supergirl. I think.
0: Okay, so I mean, you know, Legends is back, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, Legends we saw.
1: All right, let's go for it.
0: All right, so yeah, Legends, a lot of fun so far. Yeah. You know, not deep,
1: like. No, not deep. They kind of like, they they do the reset button, but it's not a reset button.
0: No, yeah. Yeah, I mean.
1: Their, they're, 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 What call Their, um, their positioning with this agency has changed. Yeah. Or their, their, their leadership, not leadership but characters, and I, and I like it because it's kind of fluid. And while there are certain characters that are popular, I like the way the show gives you this feeling that no one is permanent there. Yeah. Maybe heat wave. But that's about it.
0: Right. So you know, you know, it's like it's back. It's cute. Um, Supergirl is crazy ass shit. Supergirl's pretty crazy. It's, um... You see the latest Supergirl? I did see the latest Supergirl. They go to Mars. It's cool. Yeah,
1: you're yeah. right. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I, again, I still have my problems with uh, Maggie and Alex because...
0: Don't worry, they're breaking up over the kid thing. <gasps> oh,
1: thank God. Because it seemed like they were. Anyway, uh... I'm getting tired it, it, again you know my my diatrobe again about how they're like the emphasis of i'm not gonna say homosexuality that doesn't bother me, but it's just they're beating me over the head with their relationship and last episode where they're playing cops and this what do you call it they investigate they're on a they're on a um they're on a mission and they're fighting at this semi and they're they're like two lesbian. I, I still think it'd be a great spin-off series. I really do. I, I think that might be just as interesting as Supergirl. But when they interfere with Supergirl too much, it's like eh. yeah.
0: So yeah, in this episode, I think well, okay, so all of the shows um, have had unexpected resolutions to their season previous season cliffhangers right yeah uh and a supergirl last season monel goes away and uh we see another rocket shoot to earth and we think it's going to be villainous because they look like satanists so we find out that basically supergirl's miserable because monel's gone which just makes her a delight to have around yeah well, yeah. the typical hard right. job-, job shit um, but it turns out that the rocket that came to Earth, the other, the hidden Kryptonian, the villain of the season, has no idea she's a superhero or has superpowers. She's not a villain, like. Right. And so we're seeing her story unfold, and it's like, you know, it's cool. I mean,
1: you know, it's really good when you saw John Jones, like, uh, yeah, I, 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 and he goes back to Planet Mars, his home world, to help with a civil war. I guess you'll call yeah. it for a better term and he meets his ancestor it's damn cool and you know what just when you think that the creator's of a supergirl okay when when they when they put mon out last season in that absolutely shitty looking spaceship and yet john jones gets perhaps one of the coolest fucking spaceships (laughs) i've ever seen on television (laughs) i'm like they didn't see this last season you know what i'm saying (laughs) you know maybe it's just the thing but i'm like Okay, John Jones is that far advanced over uh, uh, Kryptonian scientists that he can come up Mon-El with a bunch
0: was of- in was in Kara's pod,
1: right? But it's still like the worst designed spaceship I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, because yeah. it's it's based on the John Byrne design. <laughs> is it really? No, he had the. I think it's based on an earlier one than the Byrne. Yeah, it's based on a I mean, it's based on some. Canon. But this one
1: is just damn cool. This I'm one's sorry. cool.
0: This one, yeah. But it's it's basically a transforming Batwing. Right, right,
1: yeah. right, exactly. Anyway. So yeah, it's cool. Um, but they've been doing okay. I, yeah. I, I, I got you know, I got no complaints. And we talk about the other CW show, Flash. We're trying not to give spoilers on.
0: Vernon's um,
1: trying not to. Um, not to. Um, it, it's kind of how Flash starts. Yeah, Clunky and efficient. You yeah. know, storytelling goes and. uh, trying to figure out where the characters are going to lie. And I'm trying to think, um, I'm kind of torn between, um, the eighties villains. Like, is it Samurai and thinker yeah, versus the more playful one. they come up with in the new episode, which seems like a throwback to a, uh, Julia Swartz plot from the sixties. Cause it's okay. so hokey and cute. And I'm kind of back and forth on that. So I, Again, it's kind of funny how The Flash does that. Like, it, it, it makes you love it and not like it at the same time right. sometimes, you know. And, uh, and they're, they're all trucking along just fine. Well, I'd have to say that out of the three, I enjoy The Flash the least for some reason. And that's usually my number one show. So we'll see how that goes in the next couple of weeks anyway.
0: Yeah, I think it's – the crossovers really soon. The crossovers in a month.
1: Oh, okay. They're now what's even... going on with that one? It's what are they, what are for? they, oh, just like the, yeah, uh, just the, like last the Invasion,
0: year, invasion okay. except Supergirl's going to be integrated and they're going to do like two parters, two nights.
1: Oh, okay. So, well, let me get a big,
0: yeah, yeah they're going to make a big deal out of it. So hopefully after that, Flash will sort of regulate.
1: Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. I, I can't complain about that. And, well, let's see. We got, like, uh, I know you hate Stranger Things. That's not one of your favorite shows. I don't shows. hate
0: Stranger Things. I just don't give a shit, all right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I
1: know. It's back. Whatever. Stranger Things 2. That's back. Yeah. And
0: then another week after that,
1: we get Punisher from Netflix, too.
0: Not so, another week after that. Punisher comes out on the 26th. 20- Punisher comes out the same day as the Justice League movie. Oh, that's right. Because yeah.
1: Thor comes out the week in between that. So yeah. November, we're going to be chock full of superhero bullshit. of superhero right?
0: bullshit coming up. um. Yeah. Oh and uh just saw the news. They just cast Shazam, Zachary Levy from Chuck. I don't know names. Yeah. Chuck. Did you watch Chuck ten years ago?
1: Yeah, that was about the spy that was that about the spy that didn't yep. know he was a spy or whatever it was. Okay. The lead
0: of that is Shazam.
1: Or Captain Marvel. Is he gonna play an old Billy Batson or something? No, I don't he's
0: know. he's working out, he's six three, he's working out to, to play Shazam. Again, I'm not quite
1: sure how DC's going to make Shazam relevant this age and age. I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. And then they said, oh, what's his name? Um, The the Rock is going to do Black Adam as a movie. I'm like, are you on crack? Who the fuck's going to see that? You know, I'm still – DC's movie universe is weird. I mean, have you seen like the 15-second promos for Justice League that they're putting on Um, TV lately?
0: No, I'm intentionally not watching them because it's just
1: so depressing. I yeah, it it's not a train wreck or anything, but there's nothing in any of these promos that's getting me to want to wanna see the film. And the only thing I want to see is fucking Aquaman by what's his name, Jason Momoa or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. He's gonna if if it continues like that, he's gonna steal the show. I think. I mean, because he's got the most personality that they've shown out of any of the Justice Leaguers in these promo spots at this point. He seems like a fantasy barbarian. Do you remember a few years ago when they they kind of crossed Aquaman yeah, with like I Robert that. Yeah. the Rice Bros? I think that's the approach they're going with Jason Momoa on here, and that will work for me because Aquaman is essentially uncool anyway. And if Jason Momoa can turn him into a hard drinking, womanizing, crazy fucking barbarian guy, I think I could handle that. So yeah, yeah. And Thor Ragnarok. Uh, any thoughts on that one?
0: Uh, you know, I'm uh, kind of thinking about seeing it, but probably won't in the theater.
1: It, you know, It's really weird because I think I've, I've hit that superhero overload where I just wait for my customers to tell me that I must see something before mm-hmm. I even think about it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean,
0: I still haven't seen Doctor Strange. That wasn't bad.
1: For a Man. Marvel movie, that wasn't bad. It was a lot better than Wonder Woman. I'll give you that. Okay. Let's put it that way. So, yeah. Wonder Woman, fucked eggs.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like Justice League. You gotta know. You gotta know for yourself how bad. Now, this it's... is
1: the one where Josh Whedon steps in for what's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're they're keep, keeping it all secret. There's they're not releasing anything on these commercials about the film or whether it's gonna go or.
0: No, I mean because... obviously
1: they're fighting Dark Side because they got pair demons in it, you know.
0: But it's, no, it's just Steppenwolf. It's just Steppenwolf. No Dark Side.
1: Okay, but. What do you think of the odds of Superman coming back to life in this thing are?
0: And it's, not, be the, and it's not just the cliffhanger. He is coming back to life in it, but if it's just the cliffhanger...
1: Yeah, for the end of the movie or something. You know, just where I, he comes in to save the day or something at the I, end.
0: I, I mean...
1: And he's got to put up with that mustache being digitally removed.
0: Right, he's got to put up with his digitally removed mustache. I mean, I guess if you bring Superman back at the very end, you set up Man of Steel 2. Yeah. I'm thinking that's the role for that, you know? You know, but it's just kind of like... Nobody wants to see this movie, like... Well, the comic geeks
1: do, but that's not enough to make it profitable by the way. Well,
0: no, I guess I just mean... Is anybody excited about the prospect of a Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon movie right now?
1: What's uh, what's Pewter Tomatoes giving a score for for anticipation?
0: There are no freaking reviews well, out.
1: Not reviews. They have a Rotten thing? Tomatoes also has stuff on that's not been released, and they just talk about audience anticipation right, or whatever it look, is. Let me look. I'm right. not sure. There is Why a lot do you know of
0: anticipation. I have a movie review website. Why do you go to Rotten Tomatoes, traitor?
1: <laughs> I don't know because it's like on my bookmarks. I mean, wow,
0: yeah.
1: <coughs> stop, stop talking. Well, me. you know what? If, if, if there's one thing you can say against Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, other than the lack of critical analysis, is that it loads horribly and they've got gr- rotten yeah, servers. Yeah, it's over, taking forever
0: over. to load right now. Oh, uh, I know. No. To, Justice
1: League has everything. no uh, no rating yet no. for anticipation.
0: Oh, for okay. God's sake! Hold on. Let me see if I I. I, I do I have to click on it to see anticipation?
1: I think that because they did that with like, I'm trying to think. I've seen a couple of things that aren't, aren't out yet that they put pages up with like an audience anticipation meter, I guess really? you call it. But obviously, nobody's seen it yet, you know. So ninety
0: nine percent want to see. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. Concerning. See what I mean? Like.
1: Yeah, it, it it's well, it's like you said years ago. It doesn't matter; they're going to make money anyway. Right, so, right. as long as they don't shoot the wad and keep it in budget. Although this movie would be hard to keep in budget with two separate directors on I mean. it, right? And then reshooting. Here's no. the thing.
0: Here's here's are we get? We're going to record after Justice League comes out, which in theory this movie should have been the Star Wars for DC Comics readers of all ages. Like, and it is not, which is very sad. But, um, no, so it's going to come out before we record next time. So I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to predict there are no action set pieces besides the ones we've seen in the trailer. Just like in Batman versus Superman, when that movie went fucking nowhere and Suicide Squad did the same thing. Yep. I mean, even Wonder Woman only had one extra battle scene that we didn't see in the fucking one fight scene we didn't see in the trailer.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I saw Wonder Woman. It was just very sad.
0: So anyway, I, I predict that this movie is going to be as bad as everybody's hoping it's not.
1: It, it, it's going to be as bad as everybody's hoping it's good.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think Batman versus Superman will end up being better.
1: Oh, my God. That's a pretty dire prediction. Well, at least we get our geeks out for the holidays. and We didn't even mention Star Wars. Yeah. But again, I'm not a Star Wars guy, so I probably won't see the see that one either. So God, mm. we're horrible. I like the TV more. The TV is so much more fun now than mm, uh the is. movies. The movies are they're they're just overblown special effect roller coaster rides, and they don't really I don't know. They don't do anything for me anymore. I'd rather mm. watch TV shows, to be honest with you, you know? But I still don't watch Marvel TV. I, I saw a few minutes of that Marvels and Humans and uh Ugh Ugh. <laughs> I mean, that was just so bad. You don't want to go back to it. That's the thing, you know. But, hey, we got some good shit. We got good shit coming up. So it was nice to have an optimistic podcast about change. I mean, we got a the lot last to two- look
0: forward to. Yeah.
1: So hopefully this holiday season will be one where, uh, you know, we can get things going. I yeah. think that would be pretty cool, you know.
0: And I've got some Fujitsu and Sherlock Frankenstein to read.
1: <clears throat> well, there you go. you got a yeah. couple more on the, on uh, the tablet. Yeah, I know, And there's still stuff I haven't read yet. So when you don't have time to read all the good comics, that's a good time. I'll it take is a that. good time. All right. Time. Well, thanks, kids. We uh, have enjoyed your indulgences with us. And, uh, you know, just uh, feed us some, uh, what do you call it, uh, response or feedback in any way you want. You can come to the shop and yell at me or you can uh, go on Andrew at ComicsFondle.com and yell at him. And we'll be glad to take all of your criticisms and, um... Yeah, there you go. Something that's good enough.
0: Yeah. All right. right. Night, everybody. Night.